0: this morning I want to just kind of talk I want to get us uh, to a place to where we recognize and realize the sovereignty of God it's so important I know some of you are going to say pastor this is elementary we've heard it all before and and I know that we've probably heard it all before but I feel like there are times that we forget sometimes life happens sometimes life happens and, and and things take place and we get discouraged we get frustrated, we get hurt, we get uh, offended, we get let down, we get fearful, we get confused. All of these these things happen because we simply forget that our God is sovereign over all things. Listen, we can just look at our culture and uh, as a Christian, as a believer, looking at our culture and seeing the direction that it's headed and has been headed a long time. Folks, we shouldn't be shocked. I mean, when things shift as quickly as they have over the last couple of years, Christians are reeling. Really, What's happening, folks? If you haven't seen this coming for the last 30 years, I don't know where you've been. Amen? We shouldn't be shocked. I'm not saying we should embrace things. I'm not sh- saying that we should stand back and say, ah, oh, it's okay, you know, and, it, and it's just the direction of the world. We live in a new age. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is believers, we should sit here and say, I told you, told you this is where we were headed. But we get shocked and blown away. We talked a few weeks ago about how Lot was in Sodom, and in, in the Scripture talks about how this righteous man was was tormented in his righteous soul by the unrighteous deeds of those around him. He was a godly man living in a place that was just full of sin and depravity, and so he was tormented. I realize that living in our culture in the last days, that there's going to be a tendency for us to be discouraged and to look around and to see what's happening and taking place around us and wonder where God is. But today I want to remind you that God is sovereign. He's sovereign. Now that's a word we hear all the time. It's a word that people talk about say so and so sovereign or this is a sovereign nation or this is a sovereign church or this is sovereign or whatever else. What does sovereignty mean? What does it mean to be sovereign? Well, in, in, the, in the root form of it, basically all it means is that someone is either a ruler that is sovereign, in other words, having absolute power, or that somebody has, has an ultimate power in their lives that is greater than any other kind of power. That's sovereignty in a nutshell. That's the elementary version. I just want to let you know that I don't care how many nations that call themselves sovereign, I don't care how many leaders that call them sovereign, or anything else, there's only one that fits that description. There's only one ultimate ruler in the universe. There's only one ultimate power, and there's only one ultimate authority. One. One. We serve a triune God. I'm going to refer Him as Jesus. I'm going to refer to Him as the Father. I'm going to refer to Him as the Holy Spirit. We realize and know that He is one. Our God, our Lord, our God is one. Amen? Amen? And He is the ultimate power in the universe. So in light of that, I want you to know that there's not anything to be afraid of. you got nothing to fear. You have no reason to walk around with your head down. Have no reason to walk around wondering where God is. I believe it was Tozer that used the example of a little boy that walked to and from school. And I could be wrong on who used this example, but I think it was him. He walked to and from school every day, and the bullies would meet him. Same corner every day. And they would rough him up, they'd slap him around, beat him up, and they would threaten him and make him afraid and fearful. And he knew every day before he ever got to that corner that he had to go to school. And on his way, that's what he was going to meet. And on his way there, he would get met by them. They would take his lunch. They would eat it in front of him. They would knock his books out of his hands and push him over, call him names, and make fun of him. And he did this and endured it every day of his life until one day his dad had a meeting somewhere near the school and said, Son, I think I'm going to walk you to school today if that's all right with you. So the little boy who was much smaller and more afraid of those bullies grabbed a hold of his dad's hand, put his books under his arm with confidence and carried his lunch and walked past the bullies and smiled and stuck his tongue out on his way to school. (laughs) What's my point? My point is this. His dad was with him. His dad was bigger. His dad was more powerful. His dad was stronger. And those bullies couldn't do anything to him as long as his dad was there. And he knew that his dad was there and his attitude was different because his dad was there. The bad thing about Christianity and what we deal with in our lives is that our perception of God often impacts how we perceive circumstances. We will behave the same way. The bully of cancer, the bully of of sickness of some kind, the bully of of bad home situations, the bully of of divided families, the the bully of, you want to go through the list, we have lots of bullies. We have lots of Goliaths in our lives. Amen? But what we need to remember is that our God walks with us. And the God that we serve, our Heavenly Father, is omnipresent. He is omnipotent and He is omniscient. You're not going to slip through this life having a struggle every day or whatever it is, a physical issue or whatever it may be every day or somebody actually attacking you every day without God knowing about it, without God seeing it, and without God walking through it with you. Child of God, hear me today. You have nothing to fear because your Father walks with you. You don't have to be afraid because your father walks with you. He's not going to leave you, he's not going to desert you, but yet it's a common problem. It's a common problem for a child of God to feel like their father is asleep somewhere and is not walking with them, and they have to carry all the burden and the weight of every struggle of their life on their own by themselves. Think of Gideon. Gideon, when God found him, when God called him, was hiding at the threshing floor, afraid of his enemies forgetting that the Father was there. Think about, think about Israel as they were hiding in the valley, afraid of a, a giant named Goliath, before they realized, our Father is there. It took a little boy to step up and say, hey guys, or a teenager, hey guys, listen, our God's with us. This, this uncircumcised Philistine just defied God and the armies of heaven. Think of Israel as they walked into the wilderness, crossed the Red Sea. God parts the waters, and they get on the other side, and they feel deserted. We're going to starve to death. We're going to die of thirst. We're going. But you know what? We laugh at that. But the truth of the matter is, is that you always forget your last victory when you're standing in your newest conflict. I'm standing in a new conflict and I forgot what God did yesterday because this today is so real to me. Listen, we don't have to be afraid. God's not leading you out somewhere to destroy you. He loves you. You are His child. He wouldn't do that any more to you than you going out and throwing your child to the dogs just to be entertained by it. God will not do that to you. He's sovereign and He's a good Father. We have a tendency though to worry about situations and we become overwhelmed and fearful and seemingly outnumbered by things and we forget that our Father is not natural but supernatural. We're told to walk by faith and not by sight, but it requires a spiritual strength to do such a thing. We're told to walk by faith and not by sight, but folks, listen, you can't do that in and of yourself. You cannot do that without the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life to show you truth as you walk that way. Because I'm going to tell you what, as we walk in our flesh, as we walk daily and we see a problem, we can see it for what it is because it's right in front of us. The doctor told us we have three months to live. The doctor said this, the doctor said that, the landlord said this, my boss said that. And we start stopping and looking at the situation for what it is. And we struggle with it because we can see it. It's real. And sometimes those things become more real to us than God, who we can't see. You see, we all fall in this place where there's a danger for us to make the natural more reality than the supernatural that we can't see. Listen, listen to what John says in 1 John 4.20. He says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And what, he's, what John's insinuating here is the dependence we have on the natural. We will have a greater natural inclination to love our brother than we will to love God because we can't see God. We will have way more patience, confidence, and pleasure in that natural relationship than we will God. And what he's saying is that if you don't love your brother, how can you say you love God? You can't even love who's in front of you. In other words, it's easier to love the person in front of you than it is to love God who you can't see at all. That's just the mind of man. And it, 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 the adverse is true as well. We see the situation in front of us, and we believe it to be so true that we often forget about God. We have to remember, child of God, that He's everywhere. He's all places, in all things. He's through all things. He's in you. He hasn't deserted you. He hasn't left you. He's going to walk this This trail, this road, this journey with you. He's not going to turn away and go some other path and and look for something else. Folks, listen, we're going to walk by faith. That means the things in front of us, the things that, that are before us may affect our perception of the situation, but it should never affect our perception of who God is. God is real. God is truth. And if we put our faith in him, then whatever it is trial that is before us, he's just deemed for us to walk through it today. And he's going to walk through it with us. Today, I just want us to perceive God for who He says He is. There's an enemy that wants to steal our confidence and He wants to steal our strength in the Spirit. He wants us to get focused on natural things and He wants to destroy our joy by throwing natural circumstances and obstacles in the way. Look at Colossians chapter 1 with me. Paul briefly describes the supremacy of Christ. Verse 15. He is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Stop right there for just a moment. He is the image of the invisible God. Now, we just talked about things that are invisible we struggle with because we can't see Him, right? We can't see. How do I know God's here, Pastor? I can't feel Him. I can't touch Him. I can't smell Him. I don't know. How do I know God's here? Well, we have to believe Him according to His word because the image of the invisible God, who is Jesus Christ, we can see. How can I see him? He's not here. Open up your Bible. Listen, He walked the earth. He was here. He is the, Im- the image of the invisible Godhead. He was here. It's recorded in Scripture for us, but it's not only Scripture. Don't let people tell you that Jesus Christ is some imaginary figure that people made up and threw in a book for somebody to believe on and control the masses. That's a lie. That's a joke. It's not true. There are even natural accounts and historicity all over the world showing that Jesus Christ lived and He died on the cross and they couldn't find His body. It's all over the place. I want people tell you that nonsense. It's not true. He is alive. He did walk this earth. He did heal the sick. He revolutionized the world in three years, today still changing lives. Jesus Christ, forever and ever, will ever be the Messiah, the true Messiah. He is. He is the image of the invisible God. What that means is, you ever have any questions about God? Look at Jesus. Who's the Father? Look at Jesus. I can imitate my Father and we have fun doing that kind of stuff and messing around. I can walk like Him and talk like Him. I'm finding the older I get, the more I do it without thinking about it. (laughs) But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about every character every ounce of principle, everything about me. You look at me. You've seen me. You have seen the Father. The invisible exists. He says, the invisible exists. The Father is real. And not only did He come and show in His life, but in His actions, God was so pleased with Him, He couldn't keep His mouth shut. Baptize him in the water. He comes up out of the water. The Spirit descends on him like a dove, and the Father says, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. He speaks over him multiple times through the Scripture. The Heavenly Father. Listen, the invisible exists. He's he's real, and He's walking with you, and He loves you. That wasn't in my notes. Anyway, verse 16. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Do you see that word? Supremacy? You know what that is? Sovereignty. So let's dive into this. The word translated as before. Look at this, verse 17. He is before all things. That word translated before literally means both of these things above and preceding. Above and preceding. Above is not talking about a location, okay? Above, you can't say God's just above us because location, you cannot locate God, okay? He's in all things and all things are in Him. He consumes and surrounds all things. This universe, He is all places, all times at the same time. You cannot hide from Him. You cannot run from Him. You are in God. You are there. He surrounds you. You don't like it. You can't help it. That's just the way it is. If you were to take a bucket and put it in the water, you go to the ocean and you put it into the water and you fill the bucket the bucket sink to the bottom of the ocean and sit on the rest on the bottom of the ocean, that bucket would be both full of the ocean and inside the ocean. That's how you and I are in Christ. We are in Him and we are full of Him. Does that make sense? He is in us, through us, and around us. And here's the cool thing, that you can't even really compare it with a bucket in the ocean because the the ocean is measurable and God is not. Folks, listen to me. This God that we are inside of, He's not just above us. It's not speaking about a location. It's speaking of His seat of authority. He is above. When it says He is before, that means He is above us. That means He has all authority in the universe. We are getting ready to go into the month of October. People get afraid. Oh no, it's the month of October. Don't go into a graveyard. You might see a spook. (laughs) People are afraid of the occult. Christians are scared to death of the occult. They're scared to death of what some kind of a heck somebody might put them. Oh, Pastor, I think I've got a curse on me. You do. You've cursed yourself by worrying about something that's got no stinking power over you whatsoever. Don't do that, man. Oh world, this is the witching hour. This is the month. It's the new witch's it's the witch's calendar. When you quit worrying about everybody else's calendars, folks. Focus on Jesus Christ. Quit worrying about I ain't afraid of no witch. They want they can put as many bat wings and stuff and put it in a soup all they want to and go pff, pff, all they want and I'll go. There's no power in this universe that's over me. I'm not saying there's no power in any of it because we all know that there's demonic authorities in this world. We know that, but I want to tell you, I don't care how many paranormal activity movies they make. I am not afraid of a demon. I don't want to see one. Not afraid of them. Don't come in here and say good morning, Buster Bob. No, don't do that to me. But I do know this: the power that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And we got to stop worrying and being fearful about everybody and everything out there because our God is sovereign. He's above it. He's above all of it. Remember when Paul talked about Paul talked about the fact that if, if we go to a Gentile's house and we sit down at their table and we eat something and it's been sacrificed to an idol, they've gone and they've strangled an animal in front of their idol back in the kitchen. And they cook it. Paul says you can receive that thing with thanks because why? He says, what is an idol? It's nothing nothing. Folks, listen to me. There ain't no fear on this earth that any Christian should ever have of any of it. Because our Father is supreme and He walks the school with us. Amen? He walks into the workplace with us. We don't need to be afraid because He is above. He is above all these things. He is above. He is before them and above them. And it also when He says before, that word is also translated as preceding or coming beforehand or or, or whatever. Speaking of Jesus, the One that we saw, the One that was incarnated into human flesh, He didn't start here. Okay, He began before. He was before all things. He preceded all things. Anybody that thinks that Jesus began in the womb is off he preceded everything he was there beforehand listen in in the book of John chapter 1 it says in the beginning was the word I know we know this he was the word speaking of Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of men listen listen Jesus Christ, when when you read the account in Genesis, He's there and it says the Spirit was there and hovered over the waters. Mind the book, remember this? They were all three there. That's why He said, let us make man in our image. They were there. Jesus spoke things into existence. Jesus created the human body. He put it together. But you want to know how sovereign He is? Do you want to know how great He is? He wasn't bound by time and space. When He was spirit in this form before He became flesh and allowed Himself to be bound into the flesh at that time, at this time He existed all places. He was like God. He saw the end. He was God. He saw the end from the beginning. And so He stood there and He created the human body. And He made Adam. And He made Eve with their reproductive cycles in their body. Knowing that He would use the woman's womb someday to make His own flesh. You don't believe me? He stood there in the garden in chapter 3 of Genesis and he's talking to Adam and Eve after the fall and he looks at Adam and Eve and he tells them and he tells Satan as well. He says, look, through her seed is going to become a man. There's going to come a man through her womb that's going to be born and he's going to crush your head. By his foreknowledge and his understanding, he said, I know what's taking place. I know what's going to happen. And I've created this body with a womb so that a child can be born out of it. And one of these days, it's going to be me born out of it. And I'm going to take it to the cross. And I'm going to shed blood and, be, and, and, and die and go to the grave and raise again so that their sin will be covered once and for all. Yeah, thank you, Lord. That's the sovereign power of our God. He's not bound up and fearful and afraid. He, Satan didn't get ahead of him on anything. He knew what was going to take place. It was his plan. And he was before all of it. He was there before any of it began. John the Baptist grasped this truth in John 1.15 when he says, John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, he, comes, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. You know what he means? It means there's an authority in precedence. There's authority in in having been there in the beginning. John said, listen, he goes, he surpassed me because he was before me. He's above me and he preceded me. Folks, listen. In all things in this universe, he has authority over all of them. And I don't care what it is, I don't care what it is that you've gone through, I don't don't know what's happened in your life, but I can tell you this, you don't need to be fearful. Next, look at what it says in Colossians. In him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. Jump back now, Colossians 1.16. Says, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. When I read this, I struggle just a little bit. Because when it talks about thrones that are established by him, thrones that are visible and invisible, I have a hard time accepting that God established those. I have a hard time thinking that you know, God allowed... Adolf Hitler into his position to do what he did to the Jews. I have a hard time grasping those things that God doesn't have control over the nations of the world. I know this is a challenging thought because we like to take God and put him in a little box and make it all really nice with a bow. You know what I'm saying? But listen, you and I don't have a sovereign mind to understand what's happening with God. But I can tell you this he can be trusted. Have you ever said, "This world's spinning out of control"? Anybody ever said that? Have you ever used these words? Everything's going to hell in a handbasket, Pastor. I don't know what that means, but I don't think it's a good thing. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't know, but it's a statement that I've heard umpteen hundred thousand times. Do you know what that? You know what we're saying when we say those kinds of things? We suggest that our sovereign God has let go of some power somewhere. We suggest that wickedness has abounded and has established itself without God's approval or without God's allowing it. And we suggest now that there's an entity greater in the universe than God because it now has power that it shouldn't have had before. I'll just let that soak in for just a minute. I want you to know and I want myself to know, and I want all of us to understand even with the wickedness in this world and the things that are happening around us, God is on the throne. He's above it, He's before it, and He sees it, and He will deal with it. He will deal with it. I'm not saying God made people to be evil, God did not make people to be evil. People chose wickedness. And God will allow certain ounces and amounts of wickedness to happen and take place for whatever reason to allow His plan to come forth. Does that make God evil, wicked, and hateful, and, and judgmental? Absolutely not. It makes God God, and you man, so quit telling Him what to do. He's sovereign. Amen. But when He starts talking about power seen and unseen, let's move into a different realm. He established authorities and truths in the universe, rules, laws and powers that are unseen. Take gravity, for example. Gravity is established. Uh, can you see gravity? Can you experience gravity? Yes. Hopefully, we're close enough to the ground we don't experience gravity too hard. I, when I was, Years ago, uh, my in-laws had this ugly little dog that looked kind of like a cross, like if a deer and a rat had mated. That's what it would look like. Was ugly, ugliest little thing you ever saw in your life, and it would run around. And we were what? That's what it looked like. And and so we were trying to do some work in the house. I was helping Wendell put something in in uh, in, in the bathroom, and the dog kept running around, licking my leg. And so I'm like, "Stop it!" And, then, and the dog was all over. And I said, "All right, that's it." So I take the dog, and I take the dog outside, and I open the door, and and I was right here, y'all, right here. And I go, "Go!" And I shut the door. Well, and I heard after I said, "Go." It hit the ground, and it goes Beep, and made this noise. And it turns around, and sits up, and its right front leg is like crooked, broken. And I went, What? This stupid dog was not made by God. This dog was genetically altered by mankind. Because any dog that God made would be able to survive in the wild. This is food for a bigger dog. That's all this little and it broke its leg and it they had to put a cast on it and it would walk around and judge me. So I told April, I said, what a stupid dog. I said, its leg broke from nothing. I said, I was like, go. It's like, it's not like I spiked it like a football or something. I just said, go, dog, and it broke its leg. It's stupid. She goes, Bob, the dog's this tall. That was like four times its body height, and you just dropped it. She said, what if I took you up four times your body height and pushed you off and said, go? I said, I'd have a broken leg. She goes, I rest my case." She won. So now I set the dogs down gently with the Jeremy. We've all experienced gravity. And the older we get, we experience gravity even more and more all the time. But what I want you to know and I want you to understand today is that God is holding you together. In your life, when things seem to be out of control, it is not out of control. It is held together by Him. There is an unseen gravity of the Holy Spirit working in your life. There is a constant drawing of God to Himself in your life. In my life, Pastor, how is that possible that God would be drawing me to Himself? Listen to me. Think back over your life. Go back in your mind, rewind, and go back to the last place that you were at that was the most difficult, most grueling, Hard thing in your life you thought you were never going to get through. The thing you thought was going to take your life. a matter of fact, some of, some of you laid in your bed and said, God, please take my life. That moment. You go back to there and you see where you didn't think you could go one more day. You couldn't see one more person. You couldn't endure one more question. You couldn't do one more thing that day. And then stop and look where you're at today. Where are you? You haven't turned your back on God. You haven't walked away. You haven't run away from Him. You aren't judging with your finger in in His face. You're not standing in opposition against Him. You are in a house of prayer and a house of worship to glorify and adore the living God. Why is that? Because there's a drawing of the Holy Spirit pulling you ever closer to Him. He won't let you go. Some of you may be going through that battle right now. You say, Pastor, I don't, I'm, we're in the midst of it now. I can't take it. I don't know what else I'm going to do. I, I'm waiting for the next foot to drop. I'm waiting for the next thing to happen. I'm going, listen to me. Where are you? We're here. Why? Because of God. A few weeks ago, we were up here leading worship, and I was transitioning between songs, and the Lord spoke to my heart. And I was had my eyes shut and... and And I'm not I'm not good at leading worship because you're supposed to have your eyes open, engaging the people all the time. That's what they say. I don't, I just get lost in Jesus. Sorry about that. But I had my eyes closed and the Lord showed me a picture. Just for a second, flashed a starlit night in front of me. One of the most beautiful starlit nights you could ever see in your life. You could just see every star in the heaven. And and I do this often. I'm constantly on a clear night out looking at the stars all the time. And and the Lord told me, he said, Bob, they're out of your control. But yet you see it as beautiful. And then he showed me a storm front coming in across the field. One of those summer storms, you know, the kind where you see the blue on one side and the other side is just like dark green and you say, it's coming, it's coming for us. The kind where people say, everybody take cover. And, and most of the family runs the basement and then I go outside like this. How many of you are one of those people with me? April, I'll never forget the one time. It was like tornadoes coming. They're saying, quick, it's coming for not only Perrysville. They're saying it's headed directly for Flatiron, which is straight over. And one person lives at Flatiron. Why they say Flatiron on the Indianapolis News, I don't know. All I saw was this giant red wall. And there's, there's a tornado coming right for Flatiron. And April's like, get the kids, go to the basement. <laughs> they go to the basement. I go outside. Gee, what are you doing? I said, I know it's coming from that direction. I want to see it. <laughs> but I love going out and watching the storm roll in. And God knows that. And he showed me this picture, this storm coming in. It was green and black. And you, just, you could see the rainfall and the sheet starting to come across the field. And I'm standing there and the Lord says, you have absolutely no control over that storm. And yet you are in awe. What is that word, folks? The word is this. God set the laws and the gravities and the things in place in this world, in the heavens, those planets are moving. You realize our planet is moving, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of miles an hour, through outer space. We don't give it a thought. We just stand in all of the skies, the trees, the birds, everything, God's creation. We don't think about it. Why? Because he's sovereign. His unseen power is holding it together. Those storms, I have no control over it, but I stand back and I'm in awe of it. It may seem like your lives have fallen apart. It may seem like you're in the middle of a storm. And God doesn't want you to be afraid. He wants you to be in all of it. Be in all of His wonder. I know that that's a, that's a tall order, Pastor. I don't think I can do that. Be in awe of the power of God. Folks, that is the challenge from him to us is saying, do you believe that I'm big enough? Do you believe that I'm powerful enough? Do you believe that I can protect you? Do you believe I can walk with you? Listen, that same God that said he's never going to leave us or forsake us is not going to leave us in the midst of our trial. Amen? We're here today because of the polling of His Holy Spirit. John 6.44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up the last day. And we have to know and we have to grasp that that's what God's doing in us. Even if it kills us, we have the hope that He's going to resurrect us again. Thirdly, He is the head of the church. Look at that in 1 first, in, in first Colossians. There's only one Colossians, Bob. Colossians chapter 1. He's the head of the church. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, um, but the Pope has been in the United States this week. <laughs> Bless you. That's a great gig. I'm really, I really kind of want that job. <laughs> no, I don't. You know what our illustrious president did? He decided to have specific people at the White House to entrap the Pope, which I'm not, whether the Pope's right or not right, I'm not into all that nonsense, but I am going to tell you what's wrong. Bring people into the White House that support and and publicly testify about things that are openly against the Word of God to try to influence the Pope to change the laws of the Catholic Church and to entrap him into photo ops with people who have opposing views to suggest that the Pope agrees with the opposing views. That's what our president did, folks. Don't you love politics in the good old U.S. of A? Good old Christian America? Yeah, I'm a little ticked off about all of it. I get sick of that nonsense. Of course, being a pastor, I get flooded with those things myself. So I know a little bit about what the Pope feels, even though I don't wear what the Pope wears. (laughs) The red shoes are cool. Um, I just have good news that even if the Pope would change his mind and go with the the agenda of our culture to try to get him to change his view on certain topics, even if the Pope changed the Catholic laws, I want to encourage everybody here something very clear. The Pope ain't the head of the church anyway. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. It's not the Pope. It's not... It's not the Assemblies of God. It's not me. It's not George Wood, the Assemblies of God. It's not any other denomination or anybody else in this world that is the head of the church. There is one head. His name is Jesus Christ. And I don't care how many times you change what you think the Bible says, it doesn't change who He is. He's the same yesterday, He's the same today, and He's the same tomorrow. And He's not going to change. He's the head. He has sovereign power over all things. And I want to say one other thing to this. He has not deserted the church. Jesus Christ has not deserted the church. Hear me when I say this, because the church sometimes gets frustrated, some gets fearful, and oh no, what's going to happen to the church? Oh, listen, we need to get our eyes off what everybody else says they're doing and begin to focus upon who Jesus Christ is and what He's doing. And when we do that, everything else is going to work out just fine. We can't shift and change and adjust Look at what he told Peter in John 21, where he challenged Peter. He said, you know, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yeah. And he said, well, then feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? Yeah. Were you deaf? No, he didn't say that. But he said, oh, he repeated it. And he said, yeah. He said, well, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And he goes through this three times. And Peter's like, what's going on? And Jesus says, Peter, somebody's going to bind you and lead you away someday. Speaking of Peter's death, and Peter does what every one of us does. Well, what about him? what about John? And Jesus' response to him was, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Hear me out, folks. We need to quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. We need to quit modeling ourselves after everybody else. We need to quit finding out what everybody else is saying. We need to find out what Jesus is saying and follow him. And if we follow him, we're going to be fine. Why? Because he's sovereign. Well, pastor, you know, he apparently isn't real sovereign in the Middle East. Those Iraqi Christians are getting beheaded for their faith. You think they're the first ones? Look at all the apostles. Peter, I'm sure he loved being crucified upside down. Sure, he loved seeing his family skinned alive in front of him. I'm sure he loved that. I'm sure John loved being boiled in oil first, and then he, you know, Peter was all envious of John. What about him, Lord? And John's like still alive after being boiled in oil. (coughs) I would have said, kill me. But after he got boiled in oil, he wrote the greatest revelation. Folks, listen, man. we got to quit worrying about everybody else. And we have to focus upon the head. He is sovereign over the church. Amen. I don't care what the Assemblies of God does. I don't care what uh, the Catholic Church does. I don't care about what the Nazarenes, the Baptists, the Methodists, or anybody else in town. I love them all. They're my friends. Whatever they do, that's fine. But I'm going to follow Jesus. How about you? Amen. He is the beginning. Look on at that again. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Listen, Jesus is sovereign over your life, both the beginning of your natural life and the beginning of your eternal life. He was there when your lungs developed by breathing amniotic fluid in the womb. He was there the first time you breathed oxygen. And He will be there when you breathe your last breath on this earth. And He will be there the moment your eyes open in eternity. He is sovereign. He is going to be there. I was always telling people, they say, Pastor, you know, I'm, I'm a little afraid of dying. I don't, know, I don't like the process. I haven't really met anybody yet that's, from a fleshly standpoint, liked the process. And I'll tell them, I don't know what, I can't tell you everything about what it's like to go from this life to the next, but I can tell you what Jesus said. All Jesus said was, Lazarus was a rich man, or the rich man of Lazarus laid outside of his gate. Remember this, this account of Lazarus, and it says that when Lazarus died, the angels came and carried him. I can't tell you exactly what that experience is like, but you want to know what our sovereign God will do? That when you finally breathe your last here, you know, when a baby is born, think about it when a baby is born. A baby comes out of the womb and everybody in the room is kind of just waiting until they hear that one noise. <gasps> 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 <clears throat> and everybody's like, yeah. And then like three weeks later, it's like, shut him up, God! (laughs) (laughs) When the baby's born and there's that first cry, everybody's like, yes! How much more glorious will it be to be born into our eternity? The rejoicing, the singing, angels coming and saying, come, come. This God that we serve, folks, Has got so many wonderful things in store for us that we can't even fathom. And He's sovereign all over it. He is the author of our life. He planted life here, not the aliens, not our alien ancestors. (laughs) What is that? our alien ancestors. Just watch History Channel. You'll hear it 400,000 times. Why are they saying that? Because they know life comes from life. The life we came from is the life of God. They're looking for some other entity out there that could have possibly planted life here. Folks, That's crazy, and they make fun of us for speaking in tongues. They're looking for aliens, yo. (laughs) They really put their faith in aliens and make fun of us for believing in God. It's the truth. You crazy Christians, where did life come from? Well, aliens come down and did it and put it from another planet. I'll just take my cheeseburger to go, thank you very much. Yes, it was a derogatory and judgmental comment from me, and I apologize, somewhat. Life comes from life. <laughs> go ahead and get it out your system, it's all right. With each thought, each breath, each heartbeat, each expression, you are are reflecting God and His workmanship. Your circulatory system, your respiratory system, your nervous system, your digestive system, all your systems in your body may be necessary to keep this body alive, but life, our eternal life, our soul, our spirit, and all of these things, even this body's life, what is it that sustains those processes? We know that Scripture makes clear that we don't live by bread alone. We don't live by natural alone, just by these things, but by every word that comes forth out of the mouth of God. He is that sovereign. That every day that you and I live is because he has approved it. Every day that I wake up and go, it may not smell beautiful, but bless God, it's a beautiful thing from God. It's a gift. It's a gift to get up and to breathe the air and put your feet on the floor and to have another day. In closing, it says this so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now, I want us to understand something. I'm going to give you a little preview of next week. When it says here, so that in everything, he might have the supremacy, isn't suggesting that he never had supremacy. A lot of people will think that Jesus had to come to the earth and had to be born of a woman and had to, a virgin, had to live a sinless life and had to go to the cross and had to, had to die on the cross and rise again to gain all authority in heaven on earth. And if you read it that way, it almost looks that way, but it's just not the truth. When it says that he's he's doing these things and everything that he might have the supremacy, he's not talking about that he would become the ultimate sovereign God because he can't be anything other than what he is. Amen? He's the ultimate sovereign God. That's just who Jesus is. That's who he is. He can't be anything but that. So it's not telling us that he's got to become better because if he came better, then he wasn't perfect to begin with. And if he wasn't perfect to begin with, then he he couldn't have died for our sins and be adequate. Just soak that in for a chew on it. So it's not talking about him gaining something. It's talking about Him having supremacy so that we would make Him supremacy over our lives. So that we would have our will come in under His will. So that we would quit trying to be sovereign and come under the sovereign God. Amen? Look at it. He is the image. He's the firstborn over all creation. He created all things. He's above all things and He precedes all things. In Him, all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the firstborn. He is the beginning of the firstborn. In other words, he is the beginner of life, he's the ender of life, and he is the firstborn of salvation among the dead. We've got to grasp this firstborn among the dead, because what that's saying is is that he was the example of our salvation that he was raised from the dead. But we also know that there's a spiritual resurrection that takes place in our lives that Romans talks about that we are resurrected in our flesh, that our soul, our body is quickened by the Spirit so that in everything he might have the supremacy. What is the one thing in this entire universe that is not surrendered fully to God's will? The ones that he made have a choice. He has supremacy over us but he wants us to humble ourselves before him. Just like the planets humble themselves to the gravitational pull that he established. Just like the birds continue to chirp and go and and pick seeds and, and the whole cycle of everything that he created is continuing in worship to him except for mankind who decides to walk away from his will in sinfulness. We are not out of his control, folks. He could squish us anytime he wants to. But by his love and grace, he's not willing that one should perish. Not one. And the reason that he created all things and the reason we are here today and the reason there's breath in your lungs is that you might come underneath the power of a sovereign God, have your sins forgiven, become a new creation in him, and that you would join him in what it is that he's doing. That you would obey him, you would follow him. It's that simple. We'll talk next week more about the sovereignty of God in certain circumstances. But today, I want us to grasp that he's real. He's alive. And he loves you. You are here today, not by your own accord, but because he's drawing you. Ever drawing you into full submission to his will.